I'd like to introduce you to Cosimo Libado yeah, yeah. from Novono Simonelli, Italy. Yes. Um, great for you to come all of this way and, um, and talk for us. We're very appreciative, very grateful, I'm sure the crowd are. Thank Please, you very without much, further ado, Cosimo. Thank you, Steve. I like to think that James did with the finger, so I'm going to do the same thing. I'm going to copy him. Well, I'm not here alone. Lauro is the guy that, actually, I'm the pretty face of the company. Uh, that's why I get to speak here, but Lauro is the one that conducted the research for us. So I brought him along with me because this is not really my job in the company. Although I found, you know, I thought we had this research in our drawers for a while, and we thought this was going to be a good spot to present it. Um, what we've been trying to do with this research is sort of understanding what happens in two of the biggest secrets plays in the espresso world, which are the grinder and the portafilter. So we call the university, which is a bi biochemistry, I think that's the terminology in English, to study with the most scientific method possible certain variables, sort of chemical, the chemical reactions that happen into the portafilter. And looking for answers, because really, if you think about it, the espresso industry, coffee in general, but I'd say espresso even more, has been making products, machines in our case, for over 80 years with no data. I mean, there's been companies investing on the coffee side, but there is a lot of things in espresso machines we're not sure, as a manufacturer, we're not sure they're really needed, or what are the guidelines after using a product that you can give your customers. So that's why we're trying to investigate as much as we can on the physics and chemical uh, processes that happen inside an espresso machine. So, so we started with a scenario because there is so many variables you can consider. So we had to create a platform that was set. And we tried to uh, obviously use our machines. The reason we picked the Aurelia is because it represents sort of a modern machines with flow restrictors. So flow would be consistent in the coming in the machine. There will be one less variable to analyze. The coffee used was 100% Arabica. It was a blend of six origins. That was also to uh, evaluate the different uh, contribution that every bean would give to the coffee. A medium roast profile, 16 grams dose. The aging was two weeks. Uh, an intermediate scenario that is sort of realistic in coffee shops around the world. Uh, the brew time that we set for certain types of tests was 25 seconds. And then we've been trying to explore a quite wide range in temperature and pressure. So we simulated in the graphics that are going to be following, you're going to see T1, T2, T3, which are 88 plus or minus, 92 plus or minus, and 98. So remember those numbers because you're going to only see P1, P2, T1, T2, T3, and then P1 is 7 bar, 9 bar, 11 bar. Move to the next. Well, what we have been trying to focus on is the uh, sort of understand the efficiency of extraction. So we took the parameters that were the most significant in terms of the analysis. So we looked at crema, total solids, lipids, pH, aroma, and proteins. You can move to the next one. 
this is one of the tools used. We're showing this because it's sort of cool. Uh, there were a lot less cooler things that were used, but it was done very scientifically. So this is uh, uh, what can be called also the electronic nose. is a gas chromatographer, basically analyzes, it brings the liquid at high, very high temperature and basically analyzes the peaks in reflection that the gas developed and by that recognizes the different substances and the aromas that are in coffee. Next one. For the we also what we did we brought in a panel of nine tasters. These nine tasters we've been trying to be as objective as possible because obviously human beings are not object objective by definition. Uh, so we took them from different nationalities, different skills, cultures. Um, we have been doing blind tasting to calibrate to calibrate the panel with different coffees. Uh, the head of the panel was uh, the professor at biochemistry of sensorial sciences, is an expert in tasting food and, and different beverages. So, and every test you're gonna be seeing either from the machine or from the group has been repeated at least three times just to validate and create a statistical model. Actually, one of the things we use uh, is a software developed by uh, the Italian Institute of Coffee Tasters. There are many softwares. It's a statistical software to validate the test so that they can see if anyone in the panel is far away from the other and sort of monitor all the results to, be, to give an, a scientific validation. The purpose of this method that has been used has been used because also this research is going to be published in, as a scientific, a totally scientific research. That is the card that was used. I mean, Lauro that is here later will probably answer questions that are more specific. So I'm trying to skip because there is lots of slides. So I'm trying to make it in the 20 minute time. Let's move to. Okay, so this is one of the first things. Uh, so this is a 3D, uh, I'm, I'm gonna try to explain the graphic. So on the vertical axles, you have the milliliters of water, and then you have the three pressures, seven, nine, 11. You have 88, 93, and 98. So this is how you should read it. You can see that um, the volume changes when pressure and temperature change. So um, there is a correlation, obviously, uh, between you know the amount of liquid that comes out and pressure and temperature. Now, I don't want to go deep into this. Obviously, I want to make you think more about what you see and sort of elaborate your opinions rather than trying to influence you right now and maybe open a discussion later. So let's move to the next one, crema. Uh, crema is also, um, you know, obviously is, is the gas content from the from uh, coffee that comes out. You can see also here there is quite a difference depending on in terms of volume. We're still measuring volume on the vertical axle. There is quite a difference depending on temperature and pressure. And some what what you notice when you look at these graphics, sometimes you see there is not really a trend. It changes. The, 
the reason why we analyze crema, somebody in the, in the crowd here said that crema is rubbish. I think it tastes awful too, so I agree with him. But it's a visual indicator of the extraction of certain substances. So we analyzed it. Also, one of the things I want to say, we didn't measure weight because obviously crema doesn't weight a lot. We used volume with calibrated glasses just to understand how much crema would be. We had total volume before you saw it. Now we have the volume by, uh, occupied by crema. So we're going to also analyze the ratio between the two. We can move to the next one. Proteins. Proteins, if you look at the proteins, how they come, it's, uh, as we discussed before, these are proteins during the roasting. They're degraded, like they're not. It's the family of proteins, so it's certain types of proteins. But there is a direct, if you look at the graphic before and this one, there is a direct correlation between the proteins and the crema. Because like a milk, they tend to be the ones that retain the, the aromatic substances and the gases into the crema. We can move to the next one. Huh. See, well this one should have been different. It didn't come up right. But basically, uh, it doesn't show the temperature. Mm. The way I can comment it, if you look at P3, the yellow should be, actually the, the blue one is T1, the red is T2, and the yellow is T3. You see there is a lot more crema on the total volume at T3, P3, because I think that is also an extreme condition where you basically, at high temperature, you're foaming, the, you're getting a lot of foam, you're not getting real crema. So it's not necessarily a good thing. Let's go to the next slide. Okay, this is an interesting one uh, about lipids. You still, you, now I have milligrams of lipids, pressure, and temperature. What I can say, I mean, what the, came out from the study from the university is that when you increase, uh, basically if you took the variable temperature at T1 and T2, and you increase pressure, you see that the extraction of lipids is a function of pressure, basically. Same thing at the T2. If you increase pressure, basically you extract more lipids. But also if you look at P1 and you go from T1 to T3, if you increase temperature, you extract more lipids. The only uh, part of that chart that doesn't work that way is the yellow one in the end. And we believe that is also due to the fact that uh, basically the temperature being so high affects the exterior part of the lipids, basically corrupting it. So it affects the efficiency of extraction of lipids when the temperature is too, is too high. We can go to the next slide. Total solids were measured by putting the liquid in a ceramic container into an oven to separate the solids. Also here you can see uh, how, you know, if you look at, at this chart, how it evolves. 
We, one thing that we noticed is that uh, around, obviously the machine were set with a certain granulometry, but around nine bar, we, we see a lot of peaks in, uh, in the extraction of the different materials, different substances for coffee. I think there was some notes that I made here um, on the solids. The, the most extreme, though, uh, part on all charts, which is P3, T3, shows that there is definitely, at those temperatures and pressures, normally the efficiency of extraction goes down. I mean, we can fairly say that that is an extreme, which makes us think that the range at which you can extract certain coffees is actually much smaller than what normally people think. So there is not big ranges where you can play with temperatures and pressures around a certain coffee. Also, there is another chart that I want to show you now. We did this analysis for all the, co all the parameters. Go to the next one. That shows the extraction in time, which I think is pretty interesting. Because if you, if you look at it, basically here you can see that we have uh, from 0 to 10 seconds, 10, 15 seconds. Most of your extraction of solids happens in the first phase of the extraction process. Virtually, after 25 seconds, you're extracting almost nothing out of your coffee, which is empirically, that was not, I mean, it's nothing new, right? Everybody knows that. Like, they noticed with their eyes when they tasted and when they saw the extraction that that was happening. But this is a nice evidence of what happens, how it deteriorates so fast, goes down very fast, and virtually after 25 seconds, you're not contributing to, to your extraction much. Probably you're increasing chances of extracting stuff you don't want, maybe more than stuff that you want. So let's go to the next one. The, the last par the, the, one of the last parameters we look at, it's pH. Um, pH, uh, we were curious because in literature they say that pH changes dramatically depending on the roasting profile. When we did it, so, and that was a given. I mean, there is lots of researchers that proved that. What we tried to do is simulate different pressures and temperatures to see how they would affect the pH of the liquid. And if you see, it really doesn't move too much. It stays very close. The range is very small. You have a peak at uh, 5, I think it was 5.32 there. And the minimum is 5.176. So it's like a very, very small range. Now the next part, and we can show the next slide, for me was one of the most interesting parts and, and things that we analyzed. In coffee, there are over 1,000 different types of gases that have been you know, classified, aromatic substances that have been classified. But obviously, you cannot, like a research that analyzes all those and see the impact of each one of them, it's almost impossible. So what we did as a method, we created a by family, we created, we analyzed the most significant ones, and we found 12 different ones. 
and we describe the order that they contribute and if it was a positive or negative contribution. So you can read this, this chart. Uh, there are two gases at the bottom that don't give any flavor. But they do have an implication in terms of, there has been a recent research that talks about those gases that have been published by another university, we just read it in the news, that they, in high concentrations, they could affect health. So that's why we're keeping them in consideration. If you want later, I can, uh, I can find where it has been published. So let's look at the next chart. So now, is the point this this for for us was pretty interesting to see how it would uh, how the the comparison between the electronic nose and the panel test this is so we have human beings on the right side machine on the left side analyzing the same substances so one is the grass chromatographer and as you can see basically uh, the uh, I'm, I'm going to try to explain. Can you see red and blue? Uh, the colors here are a little. So the red, the, the red indicates the, the, the positives. No, the blue indicates the positives on the left side. It's a little confusing because on the right side is the opposite. So you have to. So it's, let's, let's look at that one first. The positives are the blue line of those 12 gases, aromas. The negatives are in red. And you can see that for that particular coffee with the settings, at P2, T1, we have the highest peak in terms of extractions of positives and negatives. So because the gas chromatographer separates the positives and the negative gas, the contributions, so analyze them individually. So it's a very analytical analysis. Strangely enough, when we look on the right chart, the negative, we have the, the peak of positives and the peak of negatives is in the same point by, you, by the panel. We've been trying to explain that and it, it basically, uh, well, the way we explain it is the, the nose, the human nose, basically tends to cover the negatives with positives. So actually, the the two charts correspond in terms of the result they're giving, but you basically uh, are seeing it in a different way. And it's interesting, again, that number nine. Obviously, things were dialed around certain settings on, on the grinder, on the machine, so there is, that's why we want to make sure that it was, make sure that you know that it was one scenario that we tried to analyze. But it's interesting to see how that number comes up, which has been traditionally used historically in the espresso machine industry. So um, at this point, I would like the, 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 my presentation, the description of charts is over, and I would like to, to get some questions from you on it. Steve. You promised me you were going to run over. I did the, op I did the opposite. I did the opposite. <laughs> now you were bang on the money. It's 19 and a half minutes. So, so who has some questions for Cosimo? Um, and Lauro. Because it's going and to Lauro to too. Come on, Lauro. Come on, you can come up too. He doesn't want to, but he's going to come up. 
So, a very technical presentation, I think you'll agree, but that's what today was meant to be about, was make, making it geeky, making it about what people wanted to talk about. So, we have a question. How you doing? Um, I was wondering what combination of pressures and temperatures you came up with to produce the best possible espresso? <laughs> Laura, you can answer this one. I mean, I don't think there is a combination of temperatures and pressures. You can... Let's go back one step. Um, I have my theories on this. I'm very, you know, I get very inflamed when I talk about this stuff. So I'm going to try to keep calm. Uh, <laughs> I, I can't. Okay. No. Well, uh, well, I think there is uh, there is the tendency uh, in the market to markets, baristas, people to consider that you know you can just there is only one thing at a time that affects your extraction. Actually, there is so many variables that happen into that hydraulic circuit of any machines, like the, the flow, relationship, dry coffee mass, water mass, pressure, and temperature, that happen simultaneously. So, and any coffee is different. The same coffee is different because your grinder tends to produce also every shot from your grinder comes slightly different. Actually, grinders are the part of our industry that need to be worked at the most right now in general. So giving you guidelines on that would be lying to you yeah. practically. I mean, I have to be honest. Did the university what I find interesting from, uh, and that's why we wanted to show this presentation is sort of create doubts and make people think rather than giving answers. We're looking for answers. I didn't say we, have it. we had answers. Uh, but it's interesting the fact that somebody, and with the help of the university, we start measuring, because that has helped us understanding in which direction to go, though. Laura wants to say something. Yeah. I just want to add one thing. It was uh, the goal of this research to understand if uh, 100, one century of, uh, you know, of, of uh, tests on, on the coffee machine and on the coffee uh, they were, they were giving the right result. Now everybody knows that 9 bar, 93 centigrade, you know, and this kind of grinding, uh, 25 seconds of extraction time, everybody knows you know, from the Espresso Bible that these are the, pe the best parameters. But, you know, mm, there was not scientific study behind to say why we choose these parameters. So we, we, we tried to, with the university, to, uh, to, to start from scratch and say, okay, let's move uh, this parameter. We cannot move all of them. We just play with with the temperature and pressure, because as a coffee machine constructor, we are interested. We can control this parameter, and we see what's what's, what's happening. The result um, that you see, all the graphics that you see, show to you the result. Well, uh, according, we, we didn't comment the result with uh, with Cosmo. We decided to give to you to show to you, but the result show. I think that everybody. Can, can agree that uh, one century of story uh, means something. I mean, the best efficiency in all the graphic uh, is around P2 and T2. So uh, it looks like that 9 bar and uh, 93 centigrade, according to this setting, according to this scenario, for sure, to this platform, give the best result in terms of efficiency, of extraction efficiency. This doesn't mean anything about the taste of coffee. You know, in, uh, 
my normal job is to tune up, you know, everybody comes to me and asks to me, Lauro, can you please tune up my coffee machine with my coffee to get, to get the best result? And I always say, yes, sure, I can do, but we have to do together. I cannot do by myself because I don't know your taste profile. I don't know what you want from your coffee. And that's, you know, is something that nobody knows. That's why you have to play with all these parameters. This is, will be my answer. So, yeah. So, um, you might not be able to answer this, but with the evidence you picked up, did you see a correlation between the TDS and the positive aromas and the positive compounds you're getting? Because we're we're looking at coffee a lot and judging things by by how much we're extracting, and was there a, uh, like a like a linear relationship if yeah. you extract? That's a very interesting question, Dale. Thank you very much that you make me. We did a test uh, in our, in, you know, during, we don't show here, we have a lot of graphics, but you know, it's, we, we don't have enough time to, to show all of them. But we did also this kind of test. Uh, and, uh, you know, and frankly speaking, I get the best TDS extraction with the worst coffee it was in the test. So, uh, on my experience, and, uh, uh, you know, the TDS, uh, give to you only the extraction efficiency, but give to you anything, nothing about taste. So for me, it's just nothing in the coffee. Okay, anybody else? Oh. We knew we, we would have a lot of questions. Well, that's why I, I made it short. Well, I think that's why I, I wanted to kind of make sure that yeah, we yeah, yeah. do have a good we like it. for this. So. The two chemicals you mentioned that didn't have any taste implications but may have health implications, are those positive or negative health implications? Negative. I mean, <laughs> meaning uh, we, it's something we didn't study, but there is a, a bibliography about that published also by other universities. When they are in high concentration, there are gases that are developed from combustion, and when there is a too high concentration of those, they can create, they could affect in the long term. It's nothing that is going to happen right away as soon as you drink coffee, but in long term they could affect health. So, I mean, there is, there is just, if you want to Google it, you're going to find definitely something about it. But if you want, we can, we can provide you some articles that talk about that. It's known, in the, it's known in the chemical biography about those gases. I mean, we didn't discover them. They've been existing for a while. Imagine that roasting is combust. I mean, is bringing coffee to develop many gases. We cannot imagine that all of them can be positive, right? So. One more question, and then we've got to uh, move on to our last week before lunch. So. Yeah, yeah for uh, for cafe use, um, I'd love to see the it republished with the temperature range narrowed to maybe a range of you know, six Fahrenheit whatever that translates to in, in Celsius, um, because that's pretty much, you know, uh, four degrees Celsius is maybe the range we tend to work with in the cafe on, you know, on, on the technology we, we've worked with across the years. Well, I, I, agree, I would say I agree with you. I mean, in <clears throat> one of the things that I, I said before, I feel that obviously we want to explore a wider territory to see what would happen at the extremes, right? The idea that I have, looking at these graphics personally, and this is my personal thoughts that I think are fairly uh, honest, is that 
actually there is not really a, once you have a certain coffee and a certain grinder there is not a huge range you can play around with temperature and pressure at least with the technology we have today it would be probably ideal to have a machine that adjusted simultaneously pressure temperature and flow on its own through the extraction to to compensate what pressure does as a negative in a certain point with temperature maybe but that would be in my opinion, as I describe it, it, it's one of those things where the equipment way passes the knowledge of the operator. So you have something that does a lot of things, but you can't use them. I normally, the way I explain it, I don't know how many of you ride motorcycles, but modern motorcycles have a lot of stuff on them. But most of the people that drives them, they just want to look cool. And that's an excellent place to, um, to finish that. <laughs>